Exceeding Expectations, episode 65. Do you ever fear about public speaking? Do you worry about how you'll come across when you present in meetings? This week's guest is Judith Quinn, and she helps people who have that fear, and she gets down to what the fear really is and to the deeper underlying issues and how that can be resolved. So that's this week's episode with Judith Quinn. She also helps people with confidence. There, there was a, an issue at the end of the recording where for the last couple of minutes, the, the gremlins seemed to attack Judith and we lost the last couple of minutes that when she was talking about how you can get in contact with her. But you can find all the contact details for Judith in the show notes. So any links you're looking for, which unfortunately we weren't able to hear, you can find them in the show notes. This is the podcast where we aim to give you ideas how you can give your customers such a great experience that they love working with you, which results in you getting better testimonials, referrals, rebookings, and so on. If you know someone who you feel would get particular value from this episode, maybe someone who does have some sort of fear in in speaking in public, why not share this episode with them? And it would be great if you could also leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast platform you use. Hope you enjoy this week's show with Judith Quinn. Exceeding expectations, my guest today, Judith Quinn. How are you, Judith? I am well, thank you. And I, uh, I hear your dog sitting today. I, I am dog sitting for <laughs> November. One of the one of the joys of working for yourself and being able to work from a laptop is that when your mum decides to go to South Africa for a month to see her friends, you can just say yes, I'll look after the dog. So that is what I'm doing. I, I am exceeding her expectations of me as a daughter <laughs> by coming here for a whole month <laughs> to look after her dog. And, and how is the dog behaving? Uh, he doesn't exceed expectations. <laughs> he just about lives up to them, and sometimes that's not in a good way. <laughs> right. Um, and, yeah, and I bring my cat down as well, so she's just thoroughly miffed. But that's okay. So, so Judith, tell us about what it is that you do, and um, you know, how do you generally help people? By helping them let go of the rubbish they're holding on to that stops them from speaking up and speaking out. So mm-hmm. therefore, I don't know, maybe holding them back in life. So whether that's mm. personally or professionally, the fears around expressing yourself, which some people call public speaking, but I mm-hmm. believe all speaking is public speaking because you're making your internal thoughts, ideas, feelings or opinions public you're sharing them with someone so that doesn't matter whether that's one person or a thousand and it doesn't matter if that's your life partner or your boss or Mm. you know a hundred people in a room who might be there to buy your product Mm. so it's about helping people reconnect to who they really are reconnect to the passion behind their purpose connect to having a higher intention or a bigger intention when it comes to expressing themselves so that when they speak, they can do so with clarity, with confidence, with the courage of their convictions, no matter the situation. Hmm. And so how, how did you get into doing this? I'm an actress and massage mm-hmm. therapist and voice, vibra- and voice vibration sound healer. So right. one day a massage client said to me, Judith, you're an actress. And I said, yes. 
And she said, do you do that stuff with sound? Because no one really understands the voice vibration, sound healing element of what I do. So I said, yes. Mm. She said, Bruce has got to give a talk on a specific point of shipping law to 80 solicitors in a couple of weeks, and he hates public speaking. Do you know anyone who could help him? So Bruce is her husband. Mm. And I said, yes. And I started thinking of the people who I knew who did that stuff. And it was one of those moments where, you know, sometimes you get a time when your brain knocks on the inside of your skull and it's kind of going, oi, you, oi, you, no, you, you. And so I, I was thinking of all these other people and then I went, oh, uh, so I said, me, and went and helped Bruce and terrified like I was like who am I to you know this failed out of work actress like, who am I to tell this 65 year old magistrate how to talk on his topic of shipping mm. law it turns mm. out I was the perfect person and I realized in that moment in our session that it's not necessarily about the skills you have for articulation or projection or stage presence which of course are all important but actually, in that session is when I came to my realization that it's all about how connected you are to what you're saying and how important that is, not to you, but to the people you're speaking to. So mm. Bruce was, I don't know, he was talking and I was just like, there's something wrong here. And I, so I just asked him, why is this important? Mm. He's like, well, blah, blah, blah. I said, what are you worried about? He said, well, people are just going to think it's boring. Like, ah, that's the problem. The problem is what he's thinking other people will think about him. Mm. And that is the core of the work I do. So anyway, needless to say, long story short, Bruce's talk went down very well. And when he gave me the feedback, I shared it in my newsletter that I send out to my massage clients. Mm. I then got about three or four massage clients emailing me, I didn't know you did that. Oh, could you help me? Um, wow. one, of, one of those was a coach and trainer. And about five minutes into our session, she said to me, I didn't know you're a coach. I said, I'm not. She said, but you've got a coach. I went, what's a coach? Because these were the blissful days before I knew of the whole massive coaching world and industry. And, mm. and, and she said, but you're doing coaching. What you're doing is coaching. Mm. And so I looked into it and I went and trained as a coach. And... Mm. Then I, so now I bring all of those skills together to create what I do now. And so how, how long ago was that? That was 2011 um, mm -hmm. when I first worked with Bruce. And mm -hmm. then I didn't actually go and train as a coach until, yes, 2015. Uh, so... Um. I've, I've been focusing, so until then I was still acting and massaging and uh, sound healing and coaching <laughs> because, you know, you need five million balls in the air. Um, mm. So I've been really just focused on what I'm doing now um, since two, well, for two and a half years. Do you enjoy it? Oh my God, I love it. Um, mm. I, I would have to, I, so acting and I are now on an official break and for mm. me to, for me to step away from acting to do anything else, mm. um, is a testament to how powerful this work is. I mean, acting was my vocation. It's all I ever wanted to do since I was about eight. It's definitely all I wanted to do since I was 14. 
I'm now 46, just to give people a frame of reference, um, mm-hmm. not, not 21. Um, and so for me to step away from acting to pursue something else, it had to be, it had to be massive. It had to be huge. And, and this is, the work is amazing. The transformations that it gives people in their lives is beyond anything I could have anticipated. And yeah, I mean, just the other day I had a woman who saw me speak at an event 18 months ago. But yeah, she bought my book for her daughter. Her daughter had been, uh, had severe depression and anxiety. And this lady, she said to me just a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking at, for the same people. And she said, oh, I don't know if you remember, but I bought your book for my daughter and I'd spent thousands of pounds on therapy for her. Um, and after the event, I'd noticed things were changing. About two or three weeks after the event, I'd noticed things were changing in her. And I said to her, something's shifted with you. What's, what's different? And she said, Judas book is bloody excellent. It's, it's like my Bible. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, there's an exceeding, there's exceeding expectations, right? You spend thousands of pounds mm. on therapy for your daughter. Mm. You spend 12 quid on a book and mm. suddenly she shifts. So, I mean, whether it's just the book made the therapy make sense, which I'm mm. guessing is probably what it was, but the fact that, you know, a 12 pound book has changed not just that girl's life, you know, at, at the age of 19, mm. but also the life of her mum, the life of her, uh, the rest of her family, because she's now, a changed person and and this woman was I mean I was in tears when she told me because you just think wow I, I did not expect my book to have that much of an impact and so what is the book about and when, when did you write it um I wrote it well, I started writing it I don't know how many years ago because uh, the idea came to me and then when I trained as a coach I was like oh actually other people I'm not the only person to think like this so maybe this is an idea that needs to go out there um, and so I released it in February 2017, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is called Stop Shooting, Start Wanting. And I had lots mm-hmm. of coaches telling me that was an awful title. Um, mm. You shouldn't call it that, they'd say. I'm like, mm, well, the start of this is Stop Shooting, so Stop Shouldn'ting me. Um, <laughs> and right. they said, because to want means to not have. And I said, I, yeah. know, I know that, but most people don't know what they want. So lots of coaches are saying, oh, you should, you should call it stop shooting, start choosing. I was like, no, because if people are shooting, they'll start choosing from their shoulds. And mm. if, we sh- if we choose from our shoulds, we're choosing the wrong things. We need to choose from what we want. And if, if we don't have that in our life right now, if it is a want and not having, then start when – but if we know what we want, we can start making the right choices. Well, and also that is the first step to finding your voice. Mm. Because if you don't know what you want, then how can you ask for it? What is your intention? What what do you hope people will get from the book? When I wrote it, it was to help people take more of their power into their life. So they're making choices for themselves. Mm. I realized... So this came to me when I was backpacking. So when I was 24 and I went traveling for, well, I didn't know how long I was going to go traveling for. It ended up being two and a quarter years. And Mm. I was somewhere and uh, I was in Chicago. 
And I was thinking, oh, I, uh, I really should go to the Museum of Modern Art, I think it was. I really should. And then I was sat by the bay, like, looking over the, the Great Lake and going, why should I? Why, why do I feel like I should? Because the guidebooks tell me that it's really good, because I tried to go yesterday, but it was closing, or because so that I can say to other people, oh, yes, I went there and I saw blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, there is no should. I'm traveling by myself. I have no obligations. I have no duty to anyone. There is, there is no should. Do I want to go to the museum right now? No, I don't. I want to sit here by the lake and enjoy the sunshine. So that was my moment. And I sort of thought, God, how many people go through life feeling and doing things because they feel like they should? Mm. And, it, and it, it comes with such a heavy energy of obligation and duty. And oh, I have to do that. It's like, oh, it's like you're walking through mud. Well, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. But, and here's the thing, be prepared to take the consequences. So mm. then if you do decide to do that thing that you feel like you should, well, make it a want instead, because wanting to do something has an entirely different energy. Mm. And so the... For me, if any, if people get anything out of the book, it is the lightness of choosing to do something rather than feeling obliged. So going from duty to desire, because mm. that will help you lead a an energetically lighter life and you will feel more empowered and then it also starts giving you the, the one of the biggest challenges people have that I've come across in the work that I do is the ability to say no uh, and it will start giving people the ability to say no to things they really don't want to do and the ability to start saying yes and start hmm. asking for the things that they really do want hmm. Have there been any reactions to the book which maybe you weren't expecting and you know, in a good or bad way? I've not had any negative feedback at all. Uh, maybe that's mm -hmm. because people aren't don't have the courage to tell me. So <laughs> if you're listening right. to this and you have read it and you thought it was a pile of poo, then feel free to let me know because I'm all about <laughs> vocal confidence, right? So I'm all about right. being able to express yeah. things um, and being able to step into your power. And um, so I've not received any negative feedback, which is lovely. Mm -hmm. Surprising feedback. The, the most surprising thing for me, when it first came out, I sent it, uh, someone sent me a message. Uh, it was out on, what's it called? Kindle. Mm -hmm. um, and... I put it out there and said, it's released today, 99p for today only. And within about two minutes, someone e messaged saying, uh, bought it, downloaded it, started reading it on the bus. And I was mm. terrified. And I hadn't realized how by putting my voice out there in this way, particularly in a way that I didn't understand because I don't do Kindles and I hadn't had the paperback in my hands at this point. So mm. my book wasn't really real to me at this point. Mm. Having that suddenly come back and then starting to have people saying, oh, my goodness, I hadn't realized how much I was shooting. Um, there was a couple of people who just went, this is at the perfect time. It's helping me make choices about um, about the job that I want to do. So those mm -hmm. that 
that exceeded my expectations. Like I didn't realize that people would use it for such important things in their life. Hmm. And how did you find the actual book writing process of sort of collecting your thoughts? Quite easy. Um, I'm a natural writer. I've written a lot of poetry my whole life, but um, and also because this it's, it's the ability to channel your thoughts. So whether you're doing that through writing or speaking, for me, as long as you're in the right zone and you have the right intention. So again, it's about sharing your voice. And if you're sharing your voice from a deepest truth and a higher purpose, so my deepest truth for this book was shooting is bad. Mm. <laughs> um, then my higher purpose was to help others look at life from a different perspective and it was if I can touch one person's life by writing this book and helping them look at things in a different way, um, then that's a win. And the other thing about writing the book, which is why it was quite easy for me, is I actually I started writing it quite a while before, and then it was the summer of 2016, and I was in a very bad space. I was hmm. not wanting to be here uh, anymore in this life uh, thoughts not plans just for uh, those who are out there um, and and it was part of my structure that got me into a better place so I, I allowed myself the structure of half an hour of crying and feeling miserable and sorry for myself mm-hmm. and then in that process of like what can I do that will make me feel like I've I've achieved something I was like right I've got to finish that damn book. <laughs> I've just got to, I've been writing it for a couple of years. I've done bits here, bits there. If I, if I finish writing the book, I'll feel like I've achieved something. I'll, I'll feel like I've got something done. Hmm. So then every morning it was half an hour feeling miserable. Fine. And then I had to do an hour to 90 minutes of writing every day and then go for my half hour walk. And of course, when you're writing about making positive choices, about hmm. deciding, well, what do you want more? It's hard hmm. to stay in a negative headspace. So actually, the writing of the book was really easy for me because I gave myself a really clear structure. It was just an hour a day. That was my minimum. Sometimes I'd write for about 90 minutes. I'd never write for more than two hours. I think there was just that first thing in the morning, 6.30, clear space, no internet. That was very important, no internet. Um, First thing in the morning, so my head wasn't filled with any other distractions. It was just purely the book. And so... It came quite easily because it was the only thing I was focused on at that time in the day. And if ever I did get stuck, then I'd just ask myself the question, what am I, what am I sharing here? Hmm. What am I trying to say? So, hmm. um, before we, we were chatting about, um, you know, you're telling me about some of the stories that you have about how you've helped people hmm. exceed expectations and so on. Are you talking about a wedding speech? Yes. Um, so a woman who I knew from a Facebook group, so she knew what I did from there. She, her husband is an extreme introvert and his brother had said, would you be best man? And he said, yes. And then he realized that meant having to give a wedding speech, Mm. which was his idea of hell. Um, and on the phone call, when we had our connection call, which was painful because he would clearly hated speaking to people he didn't know so much that the phone call was really awkward. 
And so I just, I asked him a very simple question. He, he wanted to work on this wedding speech. And I just said to him, so is it just the wedding speech or does this inability to speak in front of others get in the way of any other part of your life? And he said, mm. yes, the whole of it. Right. And so we ended up actually doing a half-day intensive together and then a 60-day program. And we didn't actually even work on the wedding speech until the last two sessions of the 60-day program because mm. the the barrier that he had was, um, well, which most people have, it was a thing from school that he'd even completely forgotten about. And so he came for a wedding speech, but actually he was just, he's a, a carpenter, and he was going from working on big building sites to setting up his own business. So he was having to go and speak uh, to new clients. He was having to speak to estate agents and going to conferences and engaging with people. And small talk was, his, was you know, he just couldn't stand. He's like, what's the point of small talk? Um, mm. And so he he came for a wedding speech. But at the end of it, he left feeling so much more confident, feeling able to connect with people in life. And mm. he said to me on our last session, he said, oh, he was we're still working on a, on a big site and he'd just started a new contract. And he went, oh, yeah, he goes, I should tell you, um, this week was great. He was like, you know, by the end of the week, I'd actually started talking to other guys who were on the site. I was like, okay, so how, would, how long would that have taken you normally? You know, this mm. was with this, this took you, you know, by the end of the week you were talking to them. What would it have taken you before? He went, Oh, the last contract, it was eight months. Wow. <laughs> so that, you know, talk about exceeding expectations. Mm. You know, he, he, he's like, and I was like, and how's this helping? He's like, well, it makes life so much easier. It makes life so much nicer. Like, I feel like I'm a part of the team as opposed to just some guy sitting in the corner getting on with his own job. And, mm. um, and his wife actually, after the first half day intensive, just phoned me up or sent me a message saying, I don't know what you've done to him, but in four hours with you, he's changed more than in the whole time I've known him. Wow. Um, and she's actually, she's an extrovert. So she has other, other challenges and she's coming to do a two day intensive with me next weekend. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but, and actually it was, he was the one who turned around to her and said, you're only not doing it because you can't, you're not putting the value on your own life. You'd, you'd spend that money on other people, but you're not valuing yourself. Um, mm. So, but it's amazing. He came for he came to be able to do a wedding speech, but actually, he's been able to build his business because of the work we did. He's been able to feel a part of a team rather than isolated. Um, he can go out and not have to have five pints before he drinks. Uh, five mm. pints before he talks to someone he doesn't know. Mm. And, so. and did he ever let? Did he ever let you know how that wedding speech did go? Uh, yes, it went really well, and he actually, and that exceeded my expectations. Uh, suddenly, this bunch of flowers arrived, saying with a "Thank you so much. I could never have done it without you." Um, and I uh. actually, I actually did. I asked his wife. I said, "Oh, did you nudge him to send the flowers?" She went, "No, no, no, no. That was uh. all off his own bat." Um, so yeah, people laughed, and he did it, and he didn't. He wasn't a quivering, sweating mess of a wreck before doing it either. He, he managed to enjoy it. Fantastic.
And there was a, a, another story about a CEO that you mentioned as well. Ah, uh, no, so this was, so the client wasn't a CEO, although I have worked mm. with a couple. Um, the client was uh, someone who worked for uh, an international travel company mm. and she worked in sustainability and this travel company had their own airline as well. So it's a you know big company. And she loved her job and she found it was really important, but she was, again, quite quietly spoken and mm. of a demographic whereby she does not expect to be heard. So she's mm. the youngest daughter um, from a Muslim family and she's first generation. Mm. So in her societal structure... She said, you know, well, we, we don't, we don't count. We don't have a voice. Hmm. Um, and so in work, when she try and cha- share ideas, um, in team meetings, because she's quietly spoken, people wouldn't hear her or someone would hear her and then steal her idea and they'd share it and then they'd get the credit for it. Hmm. So she wanted to be able to express herself with more confidence to share her ideas because she wanted promotion. She wanted hmm. to, you know, go further in her work. Hmm. So she came to my two-day workshop, which is a group workshop, with that focus to be able to to go and share in meetings more. Hmm. Well, on day two of the workshop, she turned up and said, uh, "I want to I want to share something." Okay, and she said, um, "I've realised last night that if I want to, if I want my daughters to not have the same problems I have, I need to hmm. divorce my husband." Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'd just like to say a caveat. If you come to my workshop, that doesn't mean you'll end up getting divorced. Um, I did have someone at the workshop, directly the workshop after that, who I said, oh, you look tired. She said, yes, my husband and I were up till three o'clock in the morning talking. And I was like, oh, God, not again. Um, and, and this lady said, uh, for the first time ever, I let him know how much I hate speaking. Um, and he runs events and always gets her to MC them. Mm. And... And he said, oh, my God, why didn't you tell me? And they ended up having this massive conversation and opened themselves up. And she said, for the first time in 14 years, I told him stuff that I was afraid he might think I was stupid for. And he was so supportive and it was amazing. And we're stronger than we ever were. So, mm. um, so you know, you don't, you, don't, you don't have to come and get divorced. It's, you can come and enhance your relationships too. Mm. Right. Um, but anyway, the initial, the first lady, so she, she did that. But then when she went back to work, she left the workshop and she said, right, I want to get a mentor. And my, my goal is to get a mentor and be heard in team meetings. Mm. Well, she started sharing in team meetings. She started making her opinion known. She found a mentor because they'd started seeing her showing up more. Mm. And again, Long story short, she ended up going to the company's annual, like CEO and directors meeting, mm. uh, of which, like, so two hundred normal staff or lower staff members mm. were put into a ballot to be picked to go and share their ideas. So the mm. two hundred people were in the ballot. Twelve got picked, mm. and she was one of those twelve. So then she messaged me going, oh, how am I going to network with these people? They're so much more experienced. They're so much more superior to me. And, you know, inferiority Mm. complex comes in. And Mm. um, But she went and again, she was heard. And she came back from that with a meeting with three directors. And from the meeting with those three directors, she then ended up having a one-on-one meeting, just her and the CEO of the company that she worked for. 
And this was within six months of the two-day group workshop. So again, Mm. you know, she came just wanting to be able to share her ideas in team meetings. She ended Mm. up sharing her ideas with the CEO of the company. Mm. And she works in sustainability. And my mission is to transform the lives well, back then it was of a, million, of a million people, but now the number's gone up. So it's to transform the lives of more than 100 million people by creating more confident, connected communicators. The reason why that number went up was because of this lady. But she works in sustainability in a travel company that have an airline. So if she shares an idea that, I don't know, say takes two pieces of plastic away from every person on every flight mm-hmm. like how many hundreds of thousands of lives is that going to impact already mm-hmm. so yeah. so that one person create can create so many ripples mm-hmm. and you never know where by you sharing your voice by you st- standing up and saying something you don't know where that's going to end up mm-hmm. and that is, that's what I think is so amazing about this work is, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to quantify. I don't know. I, I don't know the differences that she has made. I know, I know for sure it's made a difference to her life, her daughter's lives, her ex-husband's life. Um, mm. but, but then maybe, you know, I, I don't know the differences that she's putting into that company. So how mm. many hundreds of thousands of lives is that impacting? Mm. Because, this person is now sharing her ideas. She's having meetings with directors and CEOs. Mm. And this is a person who would sit in a team meeting and never be heard before. So when people come to you initially, what is there a common, common thread or is it quite different for many people? There are a couple of common threads. One is wanting confidence to be able to do public speaking. Mm. Um, Another is, they are like that lady. They are fed up of not being heard at work. So they're not getting, they love their job. They're good at their job, but they get looked over for promotion because they're not seen and heard. Um, and the other thing people come for is for the, for the more energetic healing, clearing element of the work because they know that they're stopping themselves from moving forward in life because they're holding themselves back um, energetically and emotionally. Mm. And you touched upon some things at the beginning. Uh, You were talking about the things that the common kind of misconceptions about speaking, you know, Mm. um, about not having a voice and well, having a voice is is about speaking and so on. Yeah. What would he... What are the main misconceptions people have, do you think? And, what, and why is that? Um, so, yeah, one of the ones is that to have a voice, you need to be a loudspeaker. Mm. Um, but actually, you can have a voice by your actions, right? Mm. Ex- um, Extinction Rebellion, right? Mm-hmm. Anyone who's going on a protest right now, they are sharing their voice. Mm. Um, every time you, if you write an article or a book or an email, you're sharing your voice. So mm-hmm. having a voice isn't just about speaking. Mm. Speaking is the most direct way that we share our voice. But uh, if you think of uh, artists, artists share their voice through through their work. Mm. So having a voice is about knowing what it is 
you believe in. Having a voice is it's your inner voice. It's what you stand for. It's what you are sure of mm. and what you are willing to make a stand for or stand up for. And mm. for some people, they would much rather do that for other people than for themselves. Mm. Um, this then sort of leads into the having feeling like they you need to be outspoken or being able to stand up and then that public speaking is is what you do from a stage in front of a big audience that's so that's a big misconception so yeah for me all speaking is public speaking like i said earlier when you're sharing an idea a thought a feeling or an opinion that you have inside and you're telling someone else that's making that public so the same nerves can hit you depending on the situation because mm. the confidence to do that is situational. You could be perfectly confident sharing an idea uh, with your partner, mm -hmm. but then if you want to share that same idea with uh, 10 strangers in a room, you could be terrified mm. because it's the situation that's changed. Um, and the biggest misunderstanding, and I have a I have a stance which is potentially controversial, um, but it is there is no such thing as public as a fear of public speaking. Okay. So people think they're afraid of public speaking, mm -hmm. but they're not. What is the fear then? The fear is the fear of judgment. It's the fear of the unknown, mm -hmm. or it's the fear of being seen. So being seen to be a fraud, being seen to be lacking, being seen, uh, but literally being seen, so being looked at. Some people just don't like the way they look. They're self-conscious. So when you speak, people turn to look at you. Mm. And so for some people, it's that. But the biggest one is the fear of judgment. Mm. And that's what people are afraid of. You're not afraid of speaking. Mm. You're yeah, afraid of what they might think of you. You mentioned before about the lady who um, who attended the workshop and she was quite sort of shy and introverted at, mm. at the beginning. Is there a, so before I asked you, is there a common thread when people come to see you? Is it more a case of introverted people often have these issues and extroverted people often have those issues? Is it something along those lines? Um, I work with both introverts and extroverts. So I think extroverts hide it better. Mm. But um, then also sometimes it means they say stuff um, just for the hell of saying it. Right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean they are any less uh, unsure of themselves. Mm -hmm. So the difference, the, the, the same thread goes throughout. It's, it's particularly with, let's take public speaking, which means standing in front of your team, standing in front of a, an audience, mm -hmm. um, being interviewed on a podcast. The challenge with that is normally something that happened at school, normally between the age of six and 14. Mm. And usually that thing is so small that you've forgotten about it. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you just respond differently. Mm. So it's, it's about, the, the, I guess the biggest difference is if you are, more introverted you are maybe less likely to just go sod it i'm going to put myself out there anyway hmm. so you're probably more hidden 
But the actual fears and the actual thought process are generally the same. Well, but what are your general thoughts on exceeding expectations? You know, why is it something that you think people should consider? What, what, what comes to your mind when you think of that, that phrase? That thing of going the extra mile, but in a way that doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be huge. It's, it's the exceeding expectations for me is about, for the work that I do, it's, it's helping people see so much more of themselves. Mm. But it could be, it's the little touches. That's, I think those are the things for me that always exceed my expectations. And the reason mm. it's important is because it makes you feel cared about as an individual. Yeah. That's, that's the key. It's the little touches. It's my coach who occasionally will send me a postcard. Um, when I, when my, uh, I have a, an inspiration deck or an oracle deck of cards that I use for sound healing. And when they launched, I was so excited and I did a Facebook live and my coach took some screenshots of that Facebook live and put it on a postcard with the miracle of some app, I imagine. And this postcard arrived two days later. And I was just like, oh, wow. You know, that's exceeding expectations. It's personal touches because mm. it helps remind those who you are giving those expectations, you know, who, who, whose expectations you are exceeding. Mm. You are saying to them, you count. You, mm. you, you as an individual, you are important. Mm. And we all love it when when that happens and when we exceed our own expectations then anything is possible and that's very much the realm that I'm you know that I'm in is, is helping mm. people exceed, the, exceed their own expectations and, and it's funny you say that because I think that's an element people too often forget or overlook about doing it for themselves as well yeah um, and it's you know, some of us have outrageously high expectations of ourselves, so, mm. so, so it's, it's difficult for us to exceed our expectations. Mm. Um, but it's the but for those who who don't expect much from life or from themselves. I think it's just so amazing, such an amazing gift to be able to offer people mm. is. But actually, you are capable of so much more than you expected. You are, you have so much in you. And the important thing is, I see that in you. Mm. You count enough for me to give you this little bit more, to mm. offer you that, um, that experience or that gift or that postcard, whatever mm. it is. Hmm. Well, if people want to find out more about you know your course and workshop and book and so on, where where would they go to, Judith? Uh, the best place is my website. Everything's on there. It's quite dense, um, but if you want to come to an event, so a group event, that's under the events tab. If you want hmm. to work with me on your voice, that's under the voice tab, or on voice vibration sound healing that's under sound so um, but what i do have there for people to get an idea of me 
is I have some freebies on the Resources for Life page. So I have a top 10 tips for talking. I have a free sonic meditation. And you can book a 20-minute connection call with me for free as well. And I don't do heavy sales. I just like to think that exceeds expectations, right? <laughs> well, it's a coach is on a very clever sales call. No, it's a connection call to know you know what it is that you could do and, and if you have a specific thing that you a specific way that your body responds to nerves around expressing yourself you know, let me give you a couple of tools that you can go and try and implement and see if they make it judith it's been a real pleasure speaking to you and thank you for your taking your time to, to come on the show and best of luck for the future thank you Next week, episode 66 with Esti Rand. She's an internationally acclaimed lecturer, award-winning business consultant, and marketing strategist. She helps small business owners scale their businesses where they can get six and seven figures in profit. It's a really interesting episode, a fascinating conversation with Esti. And I'm pretty sure you're going to get a lot of value on next week's episode, which comes out on Christmas Eve. Hope you've enjoyed this week's show with Judith. Hope the, the end didn't spoil the enjoyment too much for you. Hope you have a fantastic week and see you next week.